1: Lalalalala.
2: Waiting for uh, J.R. Davis. He should be back, uh, or she should be here any moment. I, uh, he had uh, texted me earlier today, said that he would be here, and uh, I just uh, texted out to him, on your way. Yep, I hear him. Here he comes through the door. He's around elevator. He's elevator traffic. Huh? You had a fight through the elevator. That's right. Stop, what to do, stop, get the milk run every every floor you had to stop at?
3: It was. It was uh, it was a tour of building. <laughs> yeah, it's so. not
2: fun. It's not fun when, when that happens. Well, how you been? What did you do last week? Were you, like, out
3: on vacation? Uh, I was. I was out in uh, Colorado. <laughs> Colorado. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, but uh, yeah, we were out there for a, a couple of n- nights and saw a concert and camped. And, That's right. So.
2: You told me you were going to a concert. You never just never told me what day it was going to be.
3: Uh, it, yeah. So it was, <laughs> sorry about that. Yeah. It was. happened to be Thursday. Uh, yeah. But anyway, yeah, so we, we were out there for a few days and it was a nice, uh, nice little break. So, well, I
2: bet it was. I saw your picture of you and your dog. Yeah, the other day on National she Dog Day.
3: It. That's right. Yeah, she it was her first camping trip, so she was she had a, a good time. She didn't freak so. out about it. Uh, she, it took some getting used to with the fire. No, <laughs> she didn't like the fire. Uh, I was like, oh, yeah, you haven't been around fire yet, have you? So uh, she's about nine months old, so she's still still a pup. Was she hearing things out beyond her? You know? Oh yeah, barking. Yeah, yeah she she barked quite a bit the first night, but she kind of got used to it. But I think she enjoyed the exploring. So, shoot that a lot. Yeah, that's good. I'm yeah, glad it, it looks like you who were having a good time out there. It was. We rented a uh, VW bus and camped out on that. It was pretty sweet. Did you drive all the way oh, out yeah. there in it? No, 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 no. We, oh, we rented okay. it in uh, in around the Denver area, and then we traveled a couple hours to where we were going so okay, did it have a big peace sign on the side of it? no peace sign no uh, did it have but a mattress not, in the back it had it, the guy that we rented <laughs> it uh from just saying yeah i mean no it's a it's a camper van so we rented it from him he put thousands into it to fully restore it and it was pretty sweet okay so, so it looked it like in the late 60s fast. right yeah it was in 1979 Oh, well, that's, that's a so, little further
2: yeah, but than it was, what I was used to.
3: Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm glad you had
2: a good time.
3: It was fun. You didn't grow your hair long during the two days no, you were there. No, you no. Know, I didn't go. Uh, that's probably a few <laughs> more days worth of camping, I think, before to get to that point. Yeah, you so. got to do that and yeah. grow a little beard, yeah, you know, yeah. sit around the fire with your guitar. That's right, yeah. <laughs> <Just> nobody <laughs> wants me to play guitar. That <laughs> no, is, Nobody no, wants me to play either because
2: I don't know how to play it. It's just that simple.
3: So, uh, it's been
2: slow, and with it being slow, there's not been a whole lot of uh, topics, but there are a couple
3: of things. Tell me about the census, because that's coming up. Yeah, absolutely. So, the governor this week announced the Arkansas Complete Count Committee uh, for the 2020 census. About 30 folks on there, made up of state, local, city government officials, uh, as well as some representatives from... Uh, the business community uh, and a few folks from um, just residents of Arkansas, um, and so what they're tasked to do. Uh, the governor issued an executive order and and to establish this and lay out some of the goals and and uh, they will uh, advise the governor on on the best ways to reach some of these harder to count areas in Arkansas, uh, and also they'll put together a sort of a campaign. As well to to reach folks um, and they'll have reports due along the way uh, back to the governor um, and so we'll gear up you know April one 2020 is is census day uh, and then at the end of uh, the year 2020 that's when the final report will be done okay um, and gearing up for the actual census count so um, that will that's the goal they have a lot of work in front of them, but I think we've got a, a good group and and so the goal is obviously Dave and you know this is that so much of federal funding uh, is is uh, predicated on on those population numbers so arkansas we we've grown over the three million mark for the first time. Uh, we certainly want to make sure that we are. Uh, counting every one of those residents here in the state uh, to make sure we get uh, the uh, funding from the federal government that's allotted based on that population. So it's right. a really big part. And if even one percent of an undercount means the state could miss out on about 990 million dollars over the next decade. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's, so bucks. when they say every every uh, person counts, uh, they mean it. So we we just got to do everything we can to make sure we get the most accurate count of the population of our state as possible. And so that's what this group's going to do.
2: All right. So is it going to be like it has been in the past? You'll have people who will be going door to door, but that's been reduced quite a bit over the years. And it'd be like mailed out to everybody. Then you're expected to fill it out and send it in.
3: Uh, well, you know, actually, this is going to be easier than ever uh, in 2020. People can uh, go online. Uh, they can do it on their phones, their smartphone or their smartphones or tablets, their computers. but if they want to do it the old fashioned way, they can certainly mail that back into the Census Bureau as well. Um, so there will be more options uh, for folks to get this information back in um, and so that's really what this this uh, committee will be about is is trying to figure out the best ways coming up with that campaign. how do we want to approach this? Uh, they're going to work with, you know, local municipalities to set up those local complete count committees. Right. Um, and, and so that'll be the goal is say, OK, here's what we need to do. Here's our strategy. Let's move forward with that. Um, but it's really just education, letting people know that it's super easy to do. Um, and it means a lot to the state, you know, especially with a small state like Arkansas. Literally every uh, every citizen matters. We want to make sure we get um uh, Uh, all the funding we possibly can from the federal government.
2: All right. So the people that are going out, I'm just, I'm just questions off the top of my head. If you don't fill out the census, is that when the people that are out and about, they're going to come knock on your door?
3: Yeah, you'll certainly, uh, there will be uh, more and more follow-up. So if you miss certain dates, uh, they'll dwindle that list down to, to, you know, maybe uh, this individual hasn't gotten back or that sort of thing. Um, So there'll be follow-up. Uh, letters i'm sure there'll be some phone calls Um, and that's again just to make sure we can get a complete count for the state Um, but yes certainly once those dates uh, once the initial dates uh, come and go and you haven't filled that out yet there will be more uh, uh, reaching out outreach to you and, and your family and that sort of thing to make sure they're just getting what they need all right so i guess the
2: last question is it's is it a voluntary thing or is it mandatory? I've always thought that the government was pretty strong. I'm saying it's mandatory that you answer the question.
3: Well, I mean, I think the process. I, I would say mandatory is um, probably too strong of a word because at the end of the day, I mean, you have to make that decision. I don't. I don't believe. I could be wrong, but I don't believe there's any sort of penalty uh, for not filling out the census, but. Uh, so, yes, it, it is. It is a I guess you, you have stuck in between mandatory and volunteer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, we, we it's important. It's important for the state. I mean, we the, and it's not just and the governor spoke to the emergency management conference yesterday in Hot Springs. A large part of FEMA response is also based on the census. You know, they want to know where these populated areas are, if there is a lot of rural in a rural area, are there, you know, uh, nursing homes in those areas? Are there hospitals in those areas? Like if there's a, if there's, especially if you think about the East Coast, things like that, if there's a hurricane coming, um, they want to be able to know in advance, you know, and have a strategy for evacuating certain areas, and and if uh, earthquake hits in Arkansas or something like that, they need to know where those population centers are, and it just really helps uh, on the rapid response side of it. So... Uh, the census is uh, a big deal for a number of reasons. We talked about the funding but but certainly in, in natural disasters and those response times and that sort of thing. So a good deal goes into this data
2: okay yeah. yeah I just I
3: think we need to just impress on everybody It's really important it really really is i mean we We are seeing really unprecedented growth in Arkansas over the last few years, whether it's with the economy and people uh, you know migrating into Arkansas. Um, especially from the border states Um, and and so what we want to do is keep a good thing going we're above that three million mark we want to make sure every person is counted so again we can tap into the funding of the federal government based on those population numbers and also make sure we're in a good we're in a good spot with uh, uh, response from FEMA and things like that in a natural disaster we obviously know how important that is uh, just recently with the flooding Um, but it's it's really really important to capture those numbers so we can be prepared In the worst case scenarios, and also get that federal funding that this state certainly needs being a smaller state and a more rural state.
2: Now, keep your ears open. You'll be hearing more about this, and then they'll start giving you information when it's all going to get underway and when you can, you know, report in.
3: Yeah, April 1, 2020 is Census Day, and that's where people can start um, filling out those forms and sending them back in. Um, but that that's really what this committee is all about is just laying out a plan and a strategy they'll meet monthly or at the call of the chair uh, who happens to be mayor george mcgill up in fort smith Um, but they're going to meet at least monthly and and so i think it'll be really good to have that time to put together these plans work with those local complete count committees find out the areas that are going to be the most difficult to reach and and figure out how how to reach them and so uh, there's going to be a lot of work involved with it, um, but we've got good people, and, and I think it should be uh, uh, really, really helpful with what we're trying to accomplish here in Arkansas. Uh,
2: reading the story in the paper today in the Dim Gas, I was uh, interested to read that they they had already begun this process.
3: Yeah, and the state has been working on this for years, um, you know, with the Secretary of State uh, and and a number of other different agencies. I mean, this is something that you continue to keep up with as far as t- uh, statistics go. Um, the Geographic Information Systems Office here in the state, led by uh, Shelby Johnson, uh, who's the vice chair of the committee, uh, they have to keep up with those, those changing uh, demographics and things like that on an annual basis. So there's been a lot of work that's already gone into this. And this is sort of the, uh, uh, the, 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 the rocket that launches the ship, if, if you will. We, we wanted to, you know, we, we put a lot of effort into this now. We want to make sure we got a group of people together to say, okay, let's shepherd this through. Let's make sure that every corner of Arkansas uh, is taken care of and that people know what to do. And like I said, I think, you know, 10 years later, there are obviously a lot more options for folks to do this online. It's easy. You submit it, you're done. Um, and then it helps the state as a whole.
2: All right, got to get our first break in. We come back. I want to talk opioids with uh, J.R. Davis, the governor's spokesman. Uh, there's been some movement on this since uh, the last time we spoke, so we will talk in depth about that when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, 23 minutes uh, after two, J.R. Davis, governor spokesman, is with us. He's just come off of... Uh, a short vacation? I bet you weren't ready to come back. No, you weren't were you?
3: Well, you know that's 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 uh, why vacations are great, right? Yeah. I mean, if you wanted to come back, you'd you probably wouldn't. Agree it wouldn't to vacation. be vacation. <laughs> no, it was fun. We had a blast. It was good times. Now so, right. How much did your wife's camera cost? That
2: sucker looks expensive.
3: Oh, she's well. She used to. Um, I mean, this was. She's an avid photographer. She's really really good at it. Um, but she used to be a. Uh, uh, she worked with a photographer up in northwest arkansas and she she's always just been uh really obviously very good at taking photos yeah. um but interested knows how all that works i couldn't tell you what kind of camera is what <laughs> yeah <laughs> but she's uh, but she's had her camera for uh a while and 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 knows how to use it and i don't so <laughs> i got to tell you what i
2: i i have a, a really nice one and it sits in my closet now i don't use yeah. it for the simple reason
3: well, you know. Well, I know. Right?
2: You can take great photos with this. You
3: can. You can. And she, she has uh, just a great eye. You know what I mean? Like that's part of it. You know, you can. You yeah, can you have Yeah. You got to know how to stuff. lead into the subject and all of that. Yeah, sure. But, so she knows. She's got the eye, and then she knows how to use it. And So she, her pictures are are awesome. So, and she does a lot of the, you know, uh, like raw footage where you can blow it up and you can frame it and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Seen, so when we went to Italy last year, she took some incredible photos just you know scenic and all that sort of stuff and so anyway but i am going to learn at some point she's taught me a little bit did she print need to some
2: more. of them up and uh, hang them on the wall
3: we i think we we have a couple of them good yeah, so but no she she's got i mean I, like i said it's it's knowing how to use it all and then having the eye and all that sort of stuff so i'm learning i'm trying to learn a little bit more but you you know, know, you're, sometimes you're, you got it or you don't <laughs> did, when you were in college did you just do
2: tv or did you do print medium too
3: uh, I focus mainly on broadcast, but, uh, so we did, we did radio and, um, uh, TV and I wrote a little bit, but I wrote a lot more outside of college than I did in college.
2: Yeah. Cause I took photojournalism and everything. So I See, know a little been, bit of that kind of stuff that you're talking about.
3: Yeah. And she, and, and obviously, like I said, she worked for, uh, with a photographer up in Northwest Arkansas, but she really taught herself a lot of it. She's always just been, uh, uh, interested in uh, photography and, and how all that works, and and so it's it's impressive, and that's just her, you know, it's her side hobby that she's really really good at. <laughs> Great vocal death and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I got to find something that I'm good at on the side. Well, we'll, we'll I'm really looking. good at sitting down and watching baseball. I'm really good at sitting down watching. Football,
2: which I'm very excited
3: about doing this weekend. Yeah,
2: it, this so, weekend kicks it all. Did you watch the first game?
3: Oh, that was brutal. It was awful.
2: The last quarter was nearly impossible to
3: watch. It, it was bad. It was bad. I think there are a lot of uh, Miami fans and a lot of Gator fans that are maybe not as excited about the season after that game. <laughs> Both just, uh, it was rough. That was who doesn't want mm-hmm. it the most. Yeah, it was funny. You'd always <laughs> talk about... Uh, The different athletes, and oh, they're going to take the next step forward, and I'd heard so much about the different quarterbacks in the SEC this year, With Felipe Franks coming back to Florida, and with Dan Mullen there, you know, you're just expecting to see, and it was so funny watching the Twitter feeds, it's like, Felipe Franks 2019 looks a lot like Felipe Franks 2018 and 2017, (laughs) but anyway, no, I love it, I can't wait, it's going to be a lot of fun, we get the NFL kicking off next week, Mm -hmm. no, it's just that... It's the The best time of the year okay Forget so about christmas yeah
2: we, we've we've <laughs> got about five minutes or four three minutes we have three minutes okay zach just told me so i won't get into the opioid thing until next half hour so i got to ask you this question mm. andrew luck retires at 29 yeah what's your thoughts about it
3: good for him i think that you know i, I i've been uh uh taken aback by by some of sort of the vitriol yeah uh, towards him retiring but the guy i mean if you look at people burning new jerseys oh i know but you also got to think of it like first of all let's think of it from the fans perspective for a second like chill out it's okay because there's a lot of good quarterbacks that you can draft next year yeah yeah but they don't want (laughs) next year they They, they
2: honestly felt they had a run at it this year with, with
3: luck yeah i just think though with luck you know he's been hurt for so long, and he's. I mean, I was reading an article the other day, just talking about just talking about all the different injuries he's suffered. Did you see that list? Ter- yes. And so the guy's been literally when it, when you. I think this word's tossed around a lot. When we talk about chronic pain, when you yeah. we were in pain all of the time, uh, you know that that's a decision he has to make. And look, you're twenty nine years old uh he's going to go into whether it's media or coaching the guy's got a you know a, a great head as far as the game goes you know so he'll i mean he's going to have an incredible run past the NFL right but you've got to make a decision with all the pressures on you i think it was a bold decision for him to be able to say look i i just can't function anymore and honestly you see these these uh these athletes especially these these ex NFL players that can't hardly walk 15 years after they're out of the league Um, or they're having issues with, uh, you know, head traumas and things like that. So, you know, look, walk away, say it's, you know, I've I've had a good run. I just can't do this anymore. My body's just not doing what it's supposed to. So, you know, kudos to him. It's his decision to make, and um, I thought it was a a brave decision and probably the best decision.
2: Guess what? In three years, if he feels good and he wants to come back, he could always come back. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know, I'm a Colts fan. Look, I'm a Colts fan yeah. in the AFC. Well, I should have asked you and, uh, what I'm your a Bears thoughts were fan, yeah. but, yeah, I, I feel the same way. I, I love playing baseball, for instance. Mm-hmm. But if I had that many injuries, which yeah. I wouldn't in baseball, but if my shoulders were hurting all the time and, and uh, you just couldn't live your life the way you wanted to live it and stuff, I'm sorry your job is not your life. Yeah. And that's his job.
3: Absolutely, yeah, and you look at, I mean, there were some comparisons to Alex Smith and, you know, that he almost lost a leg and he, you know, powered through mm-hmm. and how he's out again because he's hurt. Uh, I just think you, you just, it's just like, the, that's a personal call. And at the end of the day, if if you can't do the job uh, the way you want to do it and you're hurting all the time and maybe you don't trust the medical experts on the team that have maybe given you some bad advice, you know, uh, walk away. It's okay right. to do. Let's but get San to the should, news. boo. You know, we got to go to the news. We'll talk
2: more about it. All right, back with you on the Dave Ellswick Show. we got about 25 minutes left with uh, uh, J.R. J.R. Davis is here. He is the governor's spokesperson. And uh, let's get back and let's talk about opioids. Let me set up the question by saying this. Oklahoma, uh, the big uh, case over there, uh, the judge ruled in favor of Oklahoma. Did not rule in favor of, I think they were asking for $17 billion, at $527 million. That's a big, big difference there. However, uh, as it came out, we found out that that was just for the first year. Yeah. Not more than two days later, uh, Purdue Pharma comes out. Says that they had a big powwow with the uh, AGs from several states. I don't know if Leslie was there or not. I do know that she's been uh, at the tip of the spear on this as well, and uh, offered uh, somewhere between twelve and fourteen billion dollars to put it to rest, as long as that they would take that money and then say that's it, no more. You know, I think they're taking the kind of the the big tobacco way of getting out of this. What do you think?
3: Well, I think you, you, you said it during the break, just that this was sort of the, uh, uh, the decision heard around the world, you know? And, and I think Purdue Pharma, uh, understands that. They see the writing on the wall. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how all this shakes down, but you mentioned, we saw this with big tobacco. This is what this is again. Um, and so, and, 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 and rightfully so, I mean, you know we look at the issue here in in arkansas and the uh over prescribing of opioids is just it's unbelievable um and i don't have the numbers in front of me but when you look at you know uh pills per person and that ratio it's just it it's unbelievable so um and i think just uh, the lack of education too on some of the different uh prescription drugs uh, that are out there and the um And the effects they have on people. When you look at, you know, big tobacco back in the day, yeah, it is, you know, obviously smoking is addicting. um, But when you look at prescription drugs and how many people and how many stories we've heard of people that are completely normal, they have an accident, they get hooked on these pills and it ruins their life, you know? And and I think that that's, um, uh, you know, it's, it's a long time coming, but as I mentioned, Purdue Pharma and I'm sure others... Saw the writing on the wall and and it'll be interesting to see what what happens, I guess for me and i because i
2: I kind of fall on this on the razor's edge mm-hmm. I kind of can see the side of the pharma uh, the the, the pharma folks. yeah, but then I look at the side of the doctors, yeah, no, I think who that, did the yeah. prescriptions, but any prescription that you got now there were some don't get me wrong, there's some doctors that were out there that were filling prescriptions, shouldn't have been filling prescriptions right. for people. But, how many of those people got hooked because, you know, you take one of those pills, and I'll be honest with you, I've, I've had to use some of that at a time or two, and you do get a euphoria from it. How many of those people began taking more than they really needed? How many didn't adhere to what it said on the bottle, Where what does the patient's responsibility, how does that play into all of this?
3: Well, yeah, I, I certainly understand that there are sort of two sides to the story. But when you're looking at, uh, I think the education is one of the biggest parts. There was no real accountability there. And so I don't think the patient, you know, the patient relies on their doctor uh, and the medication that's being provided. And the
2: pharmacist. And
3: the pharmacist. and And, uh, and they... They trust that what they're taking is what they're supposed to be taking if they have five refills, which, you know, for for a, a painkiller, uh, you know, uh, something like a, a oxycodone or something like that, uh, you know, for someone who's coming out of back surgery or something like that, I don't know that you need five refills, mm-hmm. you know. And, and so there's things like that that, that I, I know that uh, our, uh, uh, you know, medical community here in the state, you know, it's something that everyone's trying to address and, and figure out. Uh, all that out. But but I think the issue is, you know, that it's, it shouldn't necessarily, I don't believe the illness should be on the patient. I think the patient's supposed to be able to trust uh, their uh, primary care provider, you know, their pharmacists, uh, the the pills that are coming from those pharmaceuticals. But you also remember, too, the, the push from the pharmaceutical companies, you know, these pharmaceutical sales reps that uh, push drugs on doctors, you know, that say that, Uh, You know, we'll we'll I'm not sure how it exactly works, but they're obviously trying to make a buck. They're trying to sell what they can and they're pushing these things on on physicians. And I think that there's needs to be some accountability with physicians as well. But again, it starts at, you know, how much money these pharmaceutical companies are making. Um, And I don't know that there's been the education necessary uh, for to protect people uh, from that sort of addiction. And and I think that the saddest stories in the world when you talk about you know we 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 just we talked about big tobacco and the ramifications from all that but when you're talking about something that literally changes who you are and 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 just destroys your life uh when otherwise you would have been probably perfectly fine but you got stuck on something uh, they were super addicting and you can't function without them and i think that that's um that's that's the sad part of the story and and so uh, i certainly believe that the the onus should fall on the pharmaceutical companies um and and what uh, they need to do uh, moving forward we will see so well, i'm going to tell you what one state
2: that has a legitimate gripe against the pharmaceutical companies west virginia did you hear how many pills no i mean i, I know that it's enough a lot, pills yeah. to kill everybody in west virginia yeah it's crazy several times over yeah now there is a problem right a serious problem when that's going down
3: absolutely and and i think too if you Look, there are way smarter people than than me, you know, that are that know about this, looking into it, studying it, and know all about it. But when it's pretty easy to see that the the bottom line is the bottom line, right? I mean, it's about making yep. money. It's how much money can you make, and that means you got to continue to uh, push out these pills. and And you've flooded the nation with these pills, and it wasn't. I mean, this has been an epidemic for uh is i mean not just the last few years i mean it's they have the studies going back to early 2000s of where you've just seen this rapid growth uh in in these prescription drug abuse cases and so um you know I, I it's pretty easy to see that you know the more pills you sell the more money you make uh and you don't really care who uses them or or who has access to them and um you're just trying to get them into the marketplace and well, so i think what that's will what's... what would be
2: interesting is like they did with with Big Tobacco, and that's go back uh and look and see if they knew that the chances of getting hooked on these opioids was as easy as they've now determined it is. So if they've known that from the beginning and didn't uh, didn't share See, that with physicians, to, yeah, that's, that's a I problem. I think that
3: hit the nail on the head. And and again, I go back to these stories. The stories you didn't have with big tobacco. I mean, yes, um, there were the cancer. Uh, you know, people didn't know they were addicting. Didn't know what kind of harm it was causing your body. But we're talking about normal people who suffer some sort of. Uh, tragedy or accident, they have to go in for surgery, and it may not even be that. Maybe something routine that they're giving these incredibly powerful painkillers. A root canal. A root canal, and you you go in there completely fine, and in the next week or so you're taking these pills, and and it, and they are very easy to get addicted to. And I think you're exactly right. That's the kind of education that hasn't been out there um and so you know you could have someone who is a completely perfectly fine functioning adult and has everything ruined because they get addicted to these mm-hmm. pills and can't function without them and and so and i have i know people that you know they have surgeries and and they opt not uh to take some of these pills because there's that, that you know that sort of now known danger there and some people do have a lower threshold for addiction and you may not know that until it's too late and so that's that's the scary part about this and and certainly uh, these companies should be held accountable and look it's not everybody there there are way many more uh good doctors and yeah. good pharmacists and and i'm sure good companies um but there are bad actors and for whatever reason uh, we are in a state of of epidemic uh, with with uh, prescription drug abuse in this country, and it's something that we have to fight. And you talk about uh, West Virginia, but New Hampshire, um, and then the state of Arkansas, a lot of the South. I mean, we the over prescription, the over providing uh, prescriptions in this state is is unbelievable. Director um, Kirk Lane, uh, our our drug czar of the state, he's done a remarkable job, really trying to educate folks and the drug take backs and all that sort of stuff. Um, But it's going to take a collective effort and hopefully not just the money side of it, um, but that this will really uh, shed more light on this problem facing most states. And that's the, you know, like I said, it's not just one state. It's, it's all states are are dealing with this problem at this point.
2: And uh, just a couple of weeks ago story in the paper here in Arkansas, uh, opioid use now, has been measured as being
3: down, right, yeah, that's great, and that's exactly what we want to see uh, and I, I just gave kudos to director Lane and um and and you know, but there's obviously so many people in the state that have turned their attention to this that have lost um, children, have lost parents, um, you know friends because of this and and so uh, you know, whether it's overdose and things like that. Um, there's a lot of passionate people in this state that want to make a difference. And I think that's 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 what it's about. We want to start seeing, instead of the trend going up, we want to see the trend going down, and that means education. So I think this is helpful uh, to shed more light on this story uh, about what's happening in our states and right here in Arkansas. I think it will make a difference, um, but we want to continue to see those numbers go down.
2: All right, we got to get a final break in, and we'll come back with J.R. Davis, the governor's spokesperson, and we'll talk about a brand new uh, way that vets can get legal assistance. And that's going to happen over at the Bowen School of Law. That's coming up next on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, down to about nine minutes left, junior Let's talk about something very positive for the state. And this is a move uh, that has happened dealing uh, with the, what's happening as far as uh, Bowen School of Law and, I guess, uh, some of their students are going to be able to give uh, free legal advice uh, to veterans. Is
3: that how this works? Uh, yeah. So they have established a, uh, a free veterans legal clinic uh, at UALR. Um, and this is uh, really, really a cool deal. Um, obviously, you know, our veterans deal with a lot of issues, especially yeah. when you're talking about benefits and those claims. Um, so that's what they're really going to focus on at the beginning, uh, and they'll have, I believe, about eight students um, that will be helping uh, with that assistance for our veterans. If they come in, they can get that free legal help. Uh, you know, go after those benefits. And again, that's a big issue. I mean, I think right now nationally, there's somewhere around seventy-five thousand um, uh, past due claims i think that somewhere around 120 days and so that's a real issue when our veterans are trying to get the benefits that they deserve and are owed
2: and and, yeah and and, we're
3: promised and we're promised and and they're having to go through this rigmarole to get it so having something like this in uh the state uh, in the city in the capital city here in arkansas where veterans can go to utilize and get that help and and obviously hopefully those those benefits in a more timely manner will be really, really helpful. So this is sort of its initial stage. I've got about eight students. I know they eventually would like to grow it, um, but I think it's going to be really good for the students to get some great hands-on experience, but also great for our veteran community that they know they have a place to go to get some help. Uh, the governor uh, gave about $750,000 towards it, um, and the attorney general did the same. Um, so uh, it, it obviously uh, both the governor and the attorney general understand how important this is, uh and and um it's gonna be a really big boon for our for our uh, veteran community here in central Arkansas. Who came up with the
2: idea? Was it UALR? Was it just the Bowen School of Law? Was it the, you know the you over in the in the governor's administration? Who came up with the initial idea?
3: You know, I'm not sure where the initial idea came from. I know that this is uh this has um this is something that other Law schools have done. Uh, I think UALR is the one that said this is something we want to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bowen School of Law that that uh, they've seen this at other law schools. So I'm I'm gonna say that was uh, I believe it did start with UALR, but obviously the governor, uh, the attorney general, jumped on that uh, quickly. Wanted to help uh, get that up and running. Um, And I believe as of last week when it was announced, um, they were still looking for the actual director uh of of the department um but once they get that and they may have already moved forward with that but um so it should be up and running fairly soon um and again I I you know we had Colonel Todd there who is the secretary for veterans affairs here in the state right. and uh and he just went on and on about you know what a what a great opportunity this is for our veterans because uh, it can get expensive you know it's just you don't have a whole lot of attorneys out there doing pro bono work for uh, for anyone uh, and and i think our veterans just need to be even if they have to come from fayetteville or you know down in south of west arkansas up to little rock it's well worth the drive knowing you're going to get that free legal help uh, to get you the benefits and and address those claims um, more quickly and, and obviously at a at no cost to you so that's it's just all around a really, really great initiative. I think it'll be a great program for our vets. Yeah,
2: it's something that uh, a lot of people do not realize. I mean, the paperwork that the government sometimes asks you to fill out is complex, to say the least, and you've got to have the necessary backing paperwork from the time that you served. I mean, you, everybody knows that you got to have your, your DD Form 214, uh, even to get started, but there's a whole lot of other information that you have to be able to pull up and you ask most people and say, write a write a letter like a lawyer. Right. Well, you gotta be a lawyer to write, you know, lawyeres. I'm just saying.
3: Exactly. And and just what you mentioned, I mean there there's there's a lot of paperwork and there's a lot of things that you may not even know you need. Yeah. Uh, and that's absolutely. where I think that you have someone who can point you in the right direction, uh, like these law students. Um, that can say hey you know not only are we getting some some great experience we're also being able to give back uh, to our veteran community and we're able to assist them and get through this very challenging and complicated process at times so uh, it's really a win-win-win all the way around um, and and I'm looking forward to seeing what the effects are uh, on our veteran community I think that like I said there's eight students I think the idea is to have it grow over time, um, but it'll be interesting to see what the response is from our veteran community.
2: I think it'll be very, very good, to be honest. It'll be really good. Last question, I saw where the the committee uh, from the legislature that handles uh, some of the monies and things of that nature and the checks that are cut, uh, cut the check for broadband about a week and a half ago to get that money out there that the governor had asked for so we are underway now with we, the broadband
3: we are underway uh, i know they're they're getting the uh the rules com- completed for the application process that takes some time um but you know we we just in we rolled out the state broadband plan in may uh the uh, announced the broadband manager i think in june and then uh, announced the the grant program in july so we're we're really, you know, moving. Uh, we're in, talking
2: four months. Do you realize yeah. that that's light speed for the government?
3: Yeah. No. I mean, the, the tr- <laughs> and I think the thing is, we, you know, and the governor has a pretty, uh, uh, you know, pretty audacious timeline to say, hey, we're gonna do, we're gonna connect all of these rural communities with at least five hundred residents by twenty twenty two. Yeah, uh, that's a lot of work that goes into it. It took us about a year. Uh, to connect all of our schools to high speed broadband once the you know construction went underway or got underway, um, and so this is this is certainly going to be a, a an endeavor to say the least, um, but you know twenty five million dollars uh, in a grant program from just the state will certainly help kick start those efforts with uh, some of those municipal uh, providers because obviously with the law that was passed this this previous session from our Republican women caucus. Um, that allowed municipalities to say, hey, we can offer these services, mm-hmm. whereas before they could not. So you're going to be working with the you know private uh, telecom providers. You're going to be working with the municipalities. And then you're going to have this money that can help kickstart these projects. But, you know, that, and that's, one, that's sort of one area, right? The other is the federal government, who's obviously um, gotten more focused on high-speed broadband uh, for the country and to reach some of those rural areas. So we've seen a lot of new programs from the FCC. Uh, there was some news um, within the last month about uh, you know billions of dollars worth of uh, funding for um, this type of project. And for Arkansas, it's great because now we can go to the federal government and say, We've got a plan in place. Like, we give us the money because we can do it. You know, instead right. of going to some of these states that may not be where we are right now and not sure how to utilize that money, Arkansas can say, hey, here's our broadband manager. Here's our broadband plan. And we've put money, you know, can kind of we've put money where our mouth is, sort of say, uh, uh, so to speak, to say, hey, we're, we're ready for this. We want skin in the game. Help us out. Let's get everybody connected. And I think you're going to see some really um, uh, exciting news come from this over the next couple of years. All right. We're out of time. Let's we'll get it, back huh? together next Thursday. All right. And don't boo Andrew Luck, right? We can all it agree on that. Absolutely
2: not. That's just Bush. Hey, Bush yeah. means that that's being just a, an idiot. That's What's right. That? I agree. It is. It's Bush. Happy all football right. season, my friend. Yeah. Enjoy football this weekend. There's going to be plenty of it on TV. Oh, buddy. I'll be watching. I've already bought me another big old jar of, of nacho cheese. You know, and it's not, cheese, it's not your cheese, but it is mine. All right. So mm-hmm. I'll be eating me some nachos over the weekend with a bunch of jalapenos. And I'll clean myself out. I <laughs> say. Well,
3: hey, I'll leave it with a uh, <laughs> uh, Woo Pig Suey. Yeah. Uh, go Red Wolves. and yep. A War Eagle. So. Hey, hey and UCA. Come <laughs> and on, UCA. baby. You win
2: too, baby. Go Bears. Go Bears. Yeah. All right. Thanks so all right, much, buddy. We'll thanks. see you next week. Bye. All right. We got more coming your way. I've got. Uh, myself for you for the next two hours we got a lot to talk about China and the United States talk and trade again today I'll bring you up to date when we get back all right into the three o'clock hour Thursday show my thanks to J.R. Davis back from vacation making his way here into the studio a lot of uh, interesting discussion with him today uh dealing with the uh, opioid uh Problems. Uh, we talked during the the break about some of the things going on uh, with the uh, casinos around the state and uh, a lot of other things that were uh, of interest. Of course, had to talk a little college football because that gets underway this weekend. A lot of football action going on this this uh, weekend. By the way, any football going to be on our station this weekend, there, uh,
4: Zach? Not till next Thursday night.
2: Next Thursday. Yeah. And that'll kick off at five o'clock. Will it not?
4: No, six o'clock actually. Oh,
2: it's at six o'clock. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. Jr. get to talk, and then we'll be right back into the, to a college football with the Washington. The what's their
4: Baptist Tigers?
2: Baptist Tigers. Mm-hmm. Okay, Washed Baptist. So last year they did pretty good. They ran into the Buzz Saw at the end. Yeah, was that the one that won the national title? I think so. Yeah, he. They were good. They were very, very good. Oh yeah, they mm-hmm. were very good. So just keep that in mind. A super season last year. I don't know what this season portends, other than probably a little bit of a fall off. Cause yeah,
4: because they've lost, they, uh, lost they lost. lost their quarterback, didn't they? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they can do
4: a rebuilding
2: year. Got to know that when you have a small school, you actually go through significant rebuilding in small schools that just happened it's like asu asu has that problem right you know they'll have a couple of great classes and then all of a sudden you know the cover gets a little bare because you just can't go out and get the the necessary talent uh, over you can't be alab you know alabama alabama does not rebuild they reload that's all they do exactly It's what florida is up to doing now uh, Florida State. They're saying that they look like they're going to be pretty good this year.
4: Florida State, huh? Now,
2: yeah. be interested to see if they can resurrect that program. Remember all the people that were screaming when the, the elder Bowden was there, and they they lost three games for the season. Yeah, and they they wanted him gone. Get him out, blah, 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 blah. and then they got rid of him. They've never played to the way he had them playing
4: right but you know like said, so they had success with jimbo fisher and they won the championship five years ago you know with james winston you know who's the quarterback. let's say
2: it again five years ago oh, yeah five years ago yeah if you're from florida state you're
4: not used to that <laughs> you know what i'm saying well i'll tell you you know what miami will accept that they wish you know yeah it's yeah. been a long time for them
2: but they lost The guy that I think was really turning that program around for him from he came over there, you know, he was from uh the U, played for the U. Right. Right. You know. Mark Rick. Rick, and then he uh uh he retired.
4: He did. He did. matter of fact, I think, what was it, two years ago, he had that great season, and then they came in last year with high expectations, and they didn't live up to him because, you know, the quarterback position, they could never figure it out. Well, that kid got hurt
2: right at the very beginning, didn't he? I think so, yeah. I mean, it was the first game of the year, and the one that they were depending on uh, blew his knee out, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if he's ever come back.
4: I don't know either. I do
2: Mm. It's going to be interesting to see how, how this year works out. This is, I got to tell you, if Georgia is ever going to surplant Alabama, it has to be this year.
4: Well, the thing is, it should have happened in the past two years because the defensive coordinator who went to Georgia to become the head coach, he's had their number. He's defensively, he's shut them down, but they've never been able to score enough points.
2: Yeah, they lost in overtime the first time. Exactly. Was it, was it overtime or double overtime?
4: Um, I think it was overtime. Yeah, but I mean they they're right there, you know. He and plus Georgia gets talent too.
2: Wasn't that Tua? that came
4: in and that's right. And, the saved, and saved
2: and pulled their fat out of the fire. Yes, you know. And now he's going to be back this year. He mm-hmm. don't have hurts bringing breathing over his shoulder this time.
4: Yeah, what's he hurts? You know, hurts is in Oklahoma. Is it Oklahoma? Yeah. I thought he went to no. I'm thinking about another quarterback who went to Missouri. Okay.
2: I mean, yeah, that guy from Missouri should be pretty good this year. Missouri should be a lot better this year. Yeah.
4: Who? what school is he from? He went to Clemson. That yeah. quarterback. He was yeah, from and then Came
2: over to to Missouri. Right. You know, a lot of people wanted him. I I understood that Morrison would tried to talk
4: him into coming to. Uh, uh, Fayetteville. I kind of would have liked to see that, you know, because I think he's talented, and I think he needs to be in the right system. You know, that Clemson, Morris was his head coach. That's the reason why he went to Clemson in the first place. He was supposed to follow up Deshaun Watson, but then Morris left to Houston and other schools, so that system left.
2: Yeah, and now you got you know Morrisons here in uh, Arkansas, and he brings was it Hicks? Is that the guy's name?
4: I think so. That he yeah.
2: brought from uh, SMU. Yeah. Okay, it's, so yeah. it's going to be interesting, although I'm got, you know, I'm reading the story today in the Demgaz, I've been listening to some of the talk radio here in the area, and they're going to start a lot of freshmen.
4: Talk about Arkansas? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe these few early games, because they got Portland State this weekend. Yeah, they're going to they're find paying.
2: out real quick where they're at, because, I mean, Portland, yeah. Portland State is not. A pushover, right? They will give uh the Razorbacks a challenge, and you not, want to see. Shortness. Not saying they're going to give them a game. I'm saying they'll give yeah. them a
4: challenge. Yeah, you want to see sharpness from your team, even though you're playing a team that you should beat. They're going to give you a challenge, like you say, but still, you should play with some sharpness and show what you got.
2: Well, you shouldn't just beat them. You should beat them like a bad drum is what you should do. But <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if they've got. You got they got their act together, right? The big test was a third week, Old Miss. I got to check. Yeah, take a look at that. I th- that that's going to be the big, the big checkoff point. How well do we do against Old Miss? It would be not, and we got to go to Ole Miss to play that game. It seems like to me as well. See if that's a, a away game. I think it is.
4: You're right. That's second weekend. They uh, yeah at Old Miss
2: at Old Miss. That's that's a challenge game right there. You, you'll learn a, We'll all learn a lot. Uh, but if I'm the head coach of uh, the Razorbacks, yeah, I know I got to win at least five this year.
4: Well, he's got to figure out that quarterback position. Who was his guy? Is again,
2: was what the other kid's name is? What Starkle, Sparkle, or it's it starts with it's it's either Starkle or Sparkle.
4: <laughs> I the, think it's Starkle, but okay, it's
2: one of the other. I just I, I know that I I follow it close enough that I'm kind of dangerous about it, but. Uh, and I and I like the Razorbacks, and I root for the Razorbacks in football, uh, and I root for them in basketball unless they're playing IU, and I don't root for them then because I'm an IU fan, huge IU fan. But the bottom line goes is that you know I think this guy is doing the right thing. I I think they're he's they're bringing the uh, the team up into the 21st century. I think we're going to see a much more wide open
4: see offense he got it all started with that offense it was him at Clemson with Deshaun Watson where this new age you know got started and also you can include Texas Tech in there as well but he was one of the coaches who got this new age offense about six years ago started
2: and from what I understand he got himself a stud in the backfield as a running back have you heard this I've not I've heard this guy is something um I was listening to John Thompson uh, the other day, and the coach, you know, from back with the, the Razorbacks a few years ago, okay. defensive coach, I really liked him. I thought he did a good job. But the bottom line is he said that this is a kid that they've signed that has SEC written all over him. Okay, Okay. he looks like yeah. and acts like an SEC player. All right. And then he also made a statement, and I agree with him, That if they're going to compete, they got to toughen up big time.
4: You always got no matter what age we play in, whether it's the seventies, eighties, nineties, early two thousands, and now you got to be tough in the trenches. You know, the offensive line and defensive line got to be strong.
2: You get hit in the mouth, you got to be willing to hit them back. Exactly. Just the way that will never
4: change, no matter how spread off, spread out the offense gets no matter how much changes, that will always remain the same.
2: And see, the last couple of years that uh, what's-his-name was here from Wisconsin.
4: Oh, yeah, Belima. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: I, I I thought that was missing from the Razorback team. And I didn't see that toughness. And I, that's interesting. And they get into that last quarter, and it was very evident they didn't have that toughness about
4: it. right him. and plus depth killed him too for the most part depth killed him injuries
2: yeah yeah and i like being i thought he was a, an all right coach but he wanted to play big 10 football in the sec and it's two different types of football
4: but even then you know bringing that down here alabama was starting to change five years ago one thing that killed less miles to lsu he never changed yeah he still he's st- he remained back in the 2000s he's like you got to come to the new millennium he yeah where
2: change. is less now he's he's at some is he at kansas state or something he's at kansas he's at kansas now that's a that's going to be interesting to see if he can resurrect that program i mean they had wasn't was is isn't kansas the, the 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 college that had the coach there for like you know Since biblical times?
4: Oh, no. um, You're talking about Bill Snyder at Kansas State. He's still there. Is he still there? Because remember, he retired, and then they gave the position to some, I think, his successor. They weren't good enough, I guess, you know, and then he came right back. Bill Snyder is still there. Yeah.
2: Wow. Okay. Well, we got to get a break, and when we come back, Trump says that the United States and uh, and China have resumed trade talks today at a, and make of this as you will, at a, quote, different, air quotes, different level. We'll talk about it as we return on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, don't forget about uh, type 2 diabetes. That is a tough disease when you have it. I know I have it, and I know that, uh, you know, Russ is a type 1 diabetic. His is even tougher than mine, but... You got to make a lot of changes. That's why you who have uh, listened to me for many, many years here in the Little Rock area, you who have been watching on Facebook know that in the last little over a year and a half, I've lost significant amounts of weight, 59 pounds now I've lost. And the reason I'm doing that is to not only combat, bring it under control, but to literally try to get to the point where I'm almost like not having type two uh, diabetes. Cause you can leave, leave, you know, leave you feeling like you're stuck in place at times with it. it it's a lot to take on, you know, as far as exercise and, and uh, your diet and losing weight and things of that nature. But with that bad news, there's good news as well. There's a new study that's out that might be able to help. If you suffer from type two diabetes and you're only on metformin, you may qualify for the new study from the folks over at Applied Research Center of Arkansas. Uh, participants receive study-related care at no cost, and they get compensation for time and travel. Uh, some of the uh, things you, you have to have to qualify, you have to have an A1C of eight or above, and you got to be 18 years of age or older. And then you got to call them. You got to call 501 954 7822 or go online and, and check it all out at com. ARC Arkansas, that is one word, dot com for Applied Research Center of Arkansas. All right, so uh, that's a, a good deal for a lot of people that have type 2 diabetes. The VFW wants you to know that uh, Cornerstone Specialty Hospitals in Little Rock are helping them out with the 2019 VFW Post 9095 Golf Tournament. This is going to be Saturday, October 12th. Uh, it'll be a shotgun start at 8 a.m. The uh, tournament golf course will be Burns Park on 30 Championship Drive in North Little Rock, Arkansas and lunch to follow at the VFW at 1 p.m. Lunch is going to be uh, presented by Benny Keith Foods, and uh, they are looking for a few other sponsors. They need a sponsor for the long drive and the closest to the pen. They need a sponsor for the longest putt, and they need a sponsor for the holes that they have. You know, 18 sponsors is what you need for that. It's a four person scramble. It's $50 a person. And if you want to get involved, let me give you a phone number to call. Ring up Gina Cole. And uh, her number is 501 993 2240. That's 501 993 2240. And it goes for a great cause to VFW Post 9095. All right, Dave Ellswick Show here. Let's get right back in that story I was alluding to just a moment ago, just dealing with what the president had to announce today. This came out about six hours ago. so About 10 o'clock our time is when it was released. Uh, Trump made the remarks in an interview while he was on uh, Fox News Radio. And uh, he did not elaborate on what quote, a different level means. He said, let's see what the end product is. You know, I mean, look, the president thought they had a deal with China. And uh, just before they were going to take that 150-page document and bring it to the Congress, China came back and they wanted to change a whole bunch of stuff. And that's when the president walked away from the table and that's when, the whole uh, problem of, of all these tariffs started. president playing tough with China at that point. And I, I think that he's right. Uh, in the past, here in the United States, we've, I think, begun to feel that, you know, we'll be out of business if we don't do business with the Chinese. And that's just not the case. We do a whole lot of business. Uh, with a whole lot of other trading partners. In fact, one of those trading partners, in fact, two of those trading partners have uh, made a difference in dealing with the Chinese and probably one of the reasons why they're coming back to the table. Uh, you remember that the Chinese said that they weren't going to buy a bunch of, uh, uh, of the, the beans that, uh, we have here. And, uh, that would have been tough because we grow a lot of those here in in Arkansas. It's used in salad dressings and things of that nature. And that's when the French stood up and said, "Well, we'll buy. It. You know, we'll we'll take it in uh, here this year." And then the Chinese said, "Well, then we're not going to you know do corn." And then uh, as we talked with uh, Congressman Hill. Uh, this uh, last uh, uh, Wednesday, yesterday, in fact, 3.30, he said the Japanese stepped up on this tentative agreement now. And looks like it's firmly in place that they would buy that uh, all that surplus grain we had uh, and the Chinese or the Japanese would take it if the Chinese wouldn't. That a that was a big deal means a a lot of money here in Arkansas, means a lot of money up in Iowa, Nebraska and in the Corn Belt, places like that, because they were, you know, they were getting to the point where they were kind of squawking about uh, the tariffs. But I think we got to be tough with the Chinese because uh, presidents before uh, Trump have not been. And this will not only be good for the United States, it'd be good for Canada, be good for Mexico, be good for the EU, uh, because the Chinese have been kind of running roughshod over everybody. So hopefully they'll be able to do this. Uh, President Trump said the U.S. and China are set to have trade talks at a different level. Uh, That was to happen today. He said, let's see what the end product is. That's what you have to judge it by, Trump said. And uh China has plenty of means of uh of counter measures and things of, of these of this stuff. And I'm, I'm trying to pick up here what all the president said. Says we want to see what happens. Uh new tariff threat immediately. China said the Chinese and US trade delegations have maintained effective communications even during this time that these uh tariffs have been going on. I got more to say about that when we get back here on the Dave Ellswick show. It's Time for the news. Let's catch up with that. All right. So the rest of the story says uh, China has plenty of means for countermeasures against tariffs. But under the current situation, the uh, question that should be discussed right now is about removing the U.S. new tariffs on $550 billion in Chinese goods to prevent escalation of the China, uh, trade war, according to Feng, spokesman for China's Ministry of Commerce. His comment uh, came after Trump last Friday, threatened to raise duties on $250 billion in Chinese goods to 30% from 25%, and increased tariffs on another $300 billion in products to 15% from 10% in response to Chinese retaliation. The um, two sides are also expected to meet face-to-face in September in Washington, D.C. I, I got to tell you, this is not good for you know either of us, uh, but we're causing the Chinese more problems than they're causing us because our, our economy is moving along uh, at, a, at a good, steady pace. Theirs is not doing so. They've seen a downturn in their economy. And uh, the Asian markets have shown us uh, some, uh, well, they've responded negatively to what uh, we've seen as far as uh, this trade war has gone thus far. The president uh, was saying the other day we'd gotten billions of dollars off of the tariffs and uh, so you know i say we let uh, we we continue to push and and see where it uh, where it leads us can lead us into really good areas it could lead us just into a good area who you know who knows all right 337 here on a thursday this weekend starts football, so with that in mind, pull your microphone over, Zach. You got some things to talk about here. I got some other stories, too, but, you know, I think we should talk a little football today.
4: You can always do that.
2: Here's what ESPN says. This is how they rank the major conferences in America. Number one, SEC. All okay. Right. Number two. The Big Ten. Number three. The Big 12. Number four. This kind of surprised me. It's not the ACC. I thought it would be ACC. I thought the ACC would be at number four. They are not. Pac-12. Okay. At number four. ACC at number five. I
4: probably think it's because outside of Clemson, who else do you have in that conference that you really, you know, to propel that conference as a whole to the top, into the top four, you know, outside of Clemson? Who can you think of? I mean, like yeah, say,
2: Virginia is not the team they used to be.
4: No, Mm-mm. and I mean, like I said, under Jimbo Fisher, you had a Florida State to go along with Clemson, but
2: yeah, Florida State is in a, Louisville is not anywhere near. No. What they used to be.
4: Is Petrino still the head no, coach? No, he's, he's gone. Not.
2: Okay. He's gone. And he's disappeared. I hadn't heard sight nor sound from him. Right. At all.
4: That's probably a good thing.
2: All right, so the rest of the way down, seven is the MWC. All right. Number eight is the Sunbelt. thought that was interesting.
4: That is interesting, yeah.
2: Number nine is the MAC. Number 10 is Conference USA. Okay.
4: Hmm.
2: So, you know, so where does the Sun Belt, where do you go if you're ASU? Here's the key. If ASU wants to be a school really known for their sports, they're going to have to leave the Sun Belt. But who do they go to? Pac-12's too far away. Exactly. Uh, Big 12. I don't know if they'd want them to mm-hmm. be honest. Uh Big 10 too far away. Right. SEC ain't gonna happen. No. Ain't gonna happen.
4: Um I mean Conference USA I guess would be the closest stop I'm thinking. ACC The ACC
2: hmm I mean they would they, they're close enough. They are and this way. Plus, Arkansas is for the SEC.
4: Yeah, and plus, you know, you have schools like Wake Forest, who's not good in football, who's never been good in football, or they got a lot of bottom feeding programs. Duke.
2: Yeah. You know, you got Duke over there. I mean, I think that you got. You know, if if ASU really wants to be taken seriously, and it seems to me that the new. Uh, athletic director might actually be open to a Arkansas ASU football game.
4: That would be great for the state.
2: It would be good for the state. I mean, yeah. I saw where uh, Arkansas and uh, what is it UALR? They're gonna are they
4: playing? That's Riot women's basketball. Women's basketball
2: yeah. against mm-hmm. each other. See that? That's good because exactly. you know UALR's got a great women's basketball program. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to not only next year but the year after in 2022 2021 we go to connecticut to play connecticut and in 22 they come here Mm. i mean are they selling tickets for that
4: game yet i don't i'm not sure but you know what (laughs) if i'm still working those games i would be glad to be there and you know down on the floor with them
2: because we lost that really good uh female uh basketball player to connecticut from here in in Arkansas. Okay. I can't think of her name right now, but yeah. she was head and shoulders above all the girls around the state, right. and she decided not to stay here. Mm-hmm. She went to Connecticut. It's like... And if Gino calls, I guess you listen, huh? Well,
4: it's like when John Calipari called for um, Fox, who... Um, I mean, not Fox, but um, I can't think of his name, um, but he went to Kentucky, Yeah, you know, from here. From here, yeah. Mm-hmm. Monique Monk. Monk. Yeah, yeah Mock. Same mm-hmm. good,
2: good, good example there. But I mean... I just think ASU needs to get out of Sunbelt. Yeah. What do you think?
4: I agree with you. You know what? They're not definitely on the where Boise State was. You know, they were in the Mountain West Conference for years. Or not Mountain West. I I can't think of the conference. But they were in that conference. They were winning 10, 12-plus games per year. They would play one or two great opponents Mm -hmm. who were, you know, ranked. And they would beat them most of the time. But because of the conference they were in, they would never be, you know, push into the national championship picture
2: now asu is playing a pretty good team right out of the gates look up their schedule who is who is it that they're taking on i know auburn's going to oregon that's going to be a heck of a game and let me just tell you if gus Malzahn doesn't have a, a good year this year the seat that he's sitting on is going to be really hot
4: it's already hot yeah, I mean it is. Yeah, but I mean it's
2: going to be really hot, boiling I mean, hot. Like, yeah, like, mm-hmm. and even with that huge buyout he's got, I don't know if yeah. he can stay around
4: or not. If he has another down year this year, that is correct. And um, you know what, Arkansas State will gladly take him back. I'm pretty sure. But um, Arkansas State is playing SMU. Okay. One? That's mm-hmm. not a
2: bad game for them. Mm-hmm. They got a good chance of winning that ball game.
4: They played Georgia week three. Oh, at Georgia? At Georgia. Oh,
2: now they're playing SMU up uh, in Jonesboro. In Jonesboro, yes. Mm-hmm. And I wish I'd known that. I would have said, Zach, you and I need to go up to
4: Jonesboro. Well, see, I went up there twice with Drake Jake last year. Yeah, I know you went and saw a couple of games. Which ones did you see? I saw Appalachian State.
2: Oh, they were always a good program. And
4: I saw... Louisiana Monroe, Monroe, one, yeah. One of the, those schools, they were yeah.
2: leading the last year they were leading in the uh uh in the Sun Belt.
4: They were, exactly. So yeah. I saw those games. But mm-hmm.
2: I'll tell you what, Appalachian State, they're the real deal. They are. And they're they, not even division one, my yeah, man. They're yeah. division two. Yeah. They they between in division two when well maybe Yeah, I think it's division one A. That's where North Dakota State is right. at, right? They're in Division 1A. Yeah. They're like impossible to beat.
4: Exactly. You know, they had Carson Wentz a few years ago before he got drafted. You know, he got drafted in the first round because even though he was playing for a Division 1AA school, you know, yeah, you're not Division 1, but you're still playing top competition and you're the best.
2: A lot you know? of people don't realize that in Fargo, that's where North Dakota State is at. They play in a dome. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's a dome, man. They don't, none of that out in the freezing, frigid conditions for them. Yeah. They play in a dome just like Minnesota does now. Well, yeah. They don't play outside. I still don't understand why the Twins didn't build a dome.
4: You got to when you're up there in Minnesota.
2: Well, I think you got to do I think, I heard uh, a sports uh, broadcaster last, uh, this week sometime. I was watching. I watch a lot of baseball. And they were talking that they think that anybody who buys a major league team now, yeah, should be required to build a dome stadium.
4: Well, it's because fans are paying so much money for these tickets and seats, and you don't want them to be out there freezing their tails off, you know. Right. You,
2: don't, you don't want to be rained out. That on. too. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's there is really no reason for that anymore.
4: Exactly, unless you know you want to. Hey, you know it's like the old Peyton Manning. You know the criticism of him; he's great in that dome in Indianapolis, but when he's outside in the freezing and the um, the raining, you know, conditions, he's not the same. Yeah. So maybe they want to keep that same element, you know, that goes comes along with their team. I don't know.
2: I just think I like that whole retractable. I do too. Roof thing. Yeah. And by the way, in Milwaukee, close the frickin' roof, okay? Yeah. I mean, did you see that they had a a seven or eight minute delay, rain delay the other night? No, I did not see that. Yes. They couldn't play because it was raining and they had the dome open. That makes no sense. Uh, Guys, I know you're in Wisconsin. I understand sometimes that can be a little bit backwards up there in Milwaukee, but there's this thing called radar and you can tell whether weather's coming your way when you put it like close
4: that, the dome when you put it like that backwards i think of how kareem left milwaukee kareem abdul jabbar you know he left milwaukee for you know because he's from new york yeah but he left milwaukee for la because of various reasons that came it was
2: background he
4: said that they were they're they, they were
2: backwoods is what he said <laughs> exactly right i know i lived up in that area I mean, when, you're, when your claim to fame is Harley-Davidson and Bratwurst, yeah. I'm just saying. And now Harley-Davidson, who knows how much longer they're going to stay in business. Yeah. All right. We got about 13 minutes to top of the hour. We got to get a break in. Let's do that. When we come back, James Comey took a spanking today. I'll tell you about that when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. I'm going to pick up the Comey story when we come back in the next hour because I have him... I got the story itself, and then I have a piece of audio I want you to hear with Rudy Giuliani uh, talking about uh, the whole deal about the uh, Russia investigation and everything and what went down. You got to hear it. It's, It's amazing. So we got some time to, to fill up here, and, and to do that, I want to go back and talk just a little bit more. Like I said, football starts this weekend, mm-hmm. and football is big in Arkansas, big in the SEC. So they, they, we, we gave you the top conferences, the SEC being number one, Big Ten two, Big 12 three, Pac 12 four, ACC five, AAC six, uh, MWC-7, Sunbelt-8, MAC-9, Conference USA-10. But what happens on all of this if you break them into their divisions? Yeah. Number one conference, and by even division, in the United States is, what would you say?
4: Oh, by division, not conference? Goodness. I can never tell you right now.
2: s E-C-West. What? <sighs> you got Alabama. You got LSU.
4: But this is the same LSU. That's the thing about you it. You
2: got Texas A&M. I mean, you, you got a strong conference here. Mississippi, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Arkansas. Yeah. I mean, even Arkansas, let's be honest. You put them in some of the weaker divisions than the other conferences, probably would would be uh, playing for a championship in their division. If
4: only for years, Arkansas could have been in the Eastern Division of the conference. To switch them over to the East Division, they would have won 10 games, you know, multiple times.
2: Yes, they would have. Yeah, when we had Darren and all of that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, so number two is the SEC East, but they do that with a caveat. Hmm. They say that is if... Dan Mullen. Okay. Keeps Florida going. Yeah. In his second year and if Tennessee meets their expectations.
4: Mm, man, Tennessee's going to be an interesting team. Now with Florida, will Mullen be able to turn around Felipe Franks? He was a four-star recruit, one of the top 5 high school quarterback recruits come out of high school about 3 years ago.
2: Did he impress you the other night? No, he did not. And, I mean, when he threw that interception in the fourth quarter, yeah. I, number one, my question was, why are you throwing the ball right now?
4: Right. Now, is that, was that his decision? Or? I'm
2: thinking that's a coach's decision. Yeah. I'm just saying, why are you... You know, Woody Hayes, God bless his soul, said out of three things that can happen with a forward pass, two are bad. Yeah. Okay? And one of those... Reached up and bit Frank's right in the tush when he threw that interception. You
4: know what I'm thinking is that damn Mullen, because, you know, this is going into his um, second year with him, he's probably trying to show him that, hey, I'm going to trust you with the ball in these tight situations. Wrong
2: decision, evidently. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I'm just saying. But he threw that ball right to
2: the guy from Miami. The youth said, oh my gosh. Luckily for Florida you had a true freshman at quarterback.
4: Yeah, goodness gracious. I'm just saying. You know what? He's not but he, he's not as bad as Rex Grossman. He's not no, that guy. Man. He's not Rex.
2: Yeah, you're right about that.
4: Mm-hmm. Who went to Florida?
2: All right. So the SEC East is number 2. Number 3 the Big 10 East. And I'll go along with this. You're talking Michigan? Okay you're talking ohio state yes you're talking those are two very stout teams right off the bat is it
4: michigan state in that division too or yes any other?
2: michigan state okay penn i mean come on now we you got that's four really good teams there
4: that's a deep that's a loaded conference yeah. division right there in that
2: division number four acc atlantic that's clemson that's florida state yeah all right just go there Number five, Pac-12 North, that's Oregon, that's Washington, mm-hmm. that's Washington State. Yeah. I mean, those are three good teams right there. Yeah. I don't know who else is in the North. In the I South, you got UCLA and USC. Stanford would be in there, yes.
4: Yeah.
2: All right. Number six, the Big Ten West, Nebraska. Uh, what? In No, Indiana's in the East.
4: Okay, so Nebraska. Uh, Iowa. Yes, Iowa. That's what I was thinking of. Iowa.
2: And Iowa's going to be very stout this mm-hmm. year. So would Nebraska. Nebraska's turning their program around. I and I'm glad to see that. I you know, agree. when I when you say corn huskers, I think of, you know, corn fed beef on the offensive and the defensive lines for Nebraska. Um then you have uh Uh, the uh, Pac-12 South, that's USC and UCLA. Yeah. And they're saying that it looks like uh, uh, UCLA is really going to be competitive this year. Okay. The coach at USC better be competitive or they're going to fire his butt, I think. (laughs) And then last uh, is number eight is the ACC Coastal. And I, I, for the life of me, as I just think about the coastal, I can't even think of any of the teams.
4: Maybe are the Virginia teams in that division?
2: Yeah, they might be. I don't. Yeah, yeah they, they, they. I mean, they're coast, coast to the coast. So I guess so. Yeah. I don't know, as far as that's concerned.
4: Mm-hmm. Hmm, okay. But
2: here's the ranking of the SEC. I'll just give it for everybody. Number one, Alabama. Number two, Georgia. Number three LSU, number four Florida, number five Auburn, number six Mississippi State, number seven Texas A and M, eight Missouri. Don't count Missouri out. They're going to be all. stout this year. They're in the West too, aren't they? Yes, they are. Okay, so yeah, SEC West, you put Missouri in there. They are a stout conference. Uh, then you got South Carolina, Tennessee, Ole Miss, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, and. I haven't mentioned one team yet, and it's our favorite one, Arkansas.
4: And I'm sorry, actually, Missouri is in the east. Division. Oh, they're over in the east. Yeah.
2: Okay, so they help the east look a little strong. That's right. Okay, as far as that's concerned. All right, that wraps it up for this hour here of the Dave Ellswick Show. Come back, 4 o'clock hour. We'll talk about how the what the DOJ had to say about Comey. We'll talk about Lawrence O'Connell from MSNBC and how he really blew up a Russia story that was false. And then uh, a biological male D1 runner switches over to the women's team for his senior year. I'll bring that up to you as well, plus a lot of sound coming up on the Dave Ellswick Show. I'll tell you what, Zach. Um, before I get this Comey story, I was uh, sending a text to my wife and I said, why don't we just do pizza tonight, you know? And uh, I said, how about I just order from Little Caesars? Now, I'm going to be honest, for the last couple of years, you couldn't get me to order Little Caesars because their pizza, I thought, was all all dough and very little toppings.
4: Well, see, so that was a common criticism of the Caesars. A lot of people, it's cheap, you know, compared to other places. But they stopped going there because that's one of the reasons, you know. But
2: that's changed. This new pizza portal thing that they got. Are you familiar with this? I am not. Yeah, you you get their app and you can you know order like you can at any pizza place. I right. mean, it's not like it's anything unusual. Yeah. Uh, but you can order your pizza from them, and uh, put in what time you want it, and you show up at that time and you walk in. They got this thing called a, a pizza portal, and it's a an oven that keeps your pizza really, really hot. And you go in, and you got a, a three digit code typically that you punch in, yeah, and yours opens up, and you pull your pizzas out and leave. Okay. And they're they're hot. I'm telling you they're hot hot. And so uh, I've been uh, getting their uh stuffed crust pepperoni. Yeah. My family loves that pizza. And then I get mine, which is my mine is a, is a my own concoction. I get a thin crust and by the way, thing I, another thing I like about them, they're thin crust. They cut it in squares. That's called a Chicago cut. Okay. Until look, until I was well into my twenties, I had never had a, a a triangle piece of pizza in my life. Yeah. Everything was cut in squares uh, in in Chicago. So anyway, I, I I order a thin crust, extra cheese, mushrooms, beef and jalapeno peppers
4: mm-hmm.
2: you like the jalapeno peppers man i love jalapeno peppers sometimes well i want to tell you what on their pizzas they're good it's really good better have you drink by you though i'm just saying so i'm i'm waiting for the answer from my wife but bottom line is you know little caesar's good job now
4: you convinced me i think i'm going to go there this weekend and get give some them a
2: pizza. shot yeah go load go into the play store and get their uh their app first. Yeah. And use the app. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to use and uh, and and it uh, uh, comes out good. Use that pizza portal. See what you think of it. Let me know what you think. Okay. I will quiz you Monday because I can't quiz you tomorrow because we won't see each other. Typically, uh, Zach and I spend at least an hour and a half, two hours uh, together on Saturdays because I do the car and truck doctor's. Uh, show on Saturdays, but this weekend it is a best-of show since it's Labor Day weekend. And so um, I won't be here. Sorry to tell you that I'm not coming in just sitting here and looking at you. That ain't going to happen. All right, so what happened with James Comey today? Not much, okay? First of all, let me just say that if you want to stop government officials from abusing their power, you're going to have to take and put some of them in prison. Because if you don't, why should they be worried about what you say? What? What? So what if you say, you did a bad job? I was slapping my hand. All right, that's kind of the way that they do this. That's what they did to Comey. I mean, even if you can't put them in jail, how about you take away some of their um, – Uh, retirement or something, you know, take something away. you got to take something away that'll hurt. If it don't hurt, why you got to be worried about breaking the rules? Uh, The Justice Department's inspector general sharply criticized, ooh, uh, James Comey today, saying in a report that the former FBI director violated bureau policy in the handling of memos, that he wrote after conversations with President Donald Trump. The report details how Comey handled seven memos he wrote between January 6th of 2017 and April 11th, 2017, following interactions he had with Trump. Remember these, this story because he talked about he was uh, riding home and he had his laptop and he was writing these memos to himself about what had been talked about in those meetings and stuff. You're going to have have to go back a couple of years to remember this. Uh, The Inspector General's office determined that four of those memos contain information classified, ready for this, secret or confidential. Now, let me just say that if, if I had been, let's say Comey had been in the military, and he took secret documents home with him, and it was found out? I can tell you, if he had been enlisted, he would have lost stripes. If he had been an officer, he would have been busted in rank two. If he had been like a major or maybe, let's just say he was a lieutenant colonel, probably take him down to captain. You just don't do that stuff, and you shouldn't be able to do it if you're working in other branches of the government. Comey was fired as FBI director on May 9, 2017, provided four of the memos to his personal attorney after his ouster. Now, remember, these memos were stamped, secret, and confidential. They weren't supposed to go into anybody else's hands. He also gave screenshots of one member to his close personal friend with instructions to provide the information to the New York Times. So thus, don't tell me that Comey is not a leaker. Of course he was a leaker. He He's still saying, I didn't leak, who, me? No, he didn't leak. He gave it to a friend and asked them to leak it, all right? It's called plausible deniability. Uh, Comey testified on June 8th of 17 to the Senate Intelligence Committee that he directed his friend, Daniel Richmond to share the information with Times in order to trigger a special counsel's investigation, and the ploy was successful. And thus, we got Mueller. The day after Richmond provided the information to the Times, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein appointed Robert Mueller, special counsel, to oversee the Russia investigation. And then, two years later, Mueller got up in front of the press and said. Ain't nothing here. Uh, By then, the Justice Department had also opened an investigation into whether Trump tried to obstruct the Russia probe. Now, the inspector general's report is harsh towards Comey, saying that he failed to live up to his responsibility as a former FBI director. No, he did more than that. He did more than that. He broke laws about how you handle secret, uh, information. And, and then he didn't safeguard sensitive information obtained during the course of his FBI employment. The 80, 83 pages, all right, going after him, at, faulted Comey for leaking one of his memos in order to create public pressure for official action. Doing so, quote, set a dangerous example for the over 35,000 current FBI employees and the many thousands more uh, uh, of FBI employees that have been working there, who similarly have access to or knowledge of non-public information, the Inspector General's report said. The report did clear Comey of one long-standing area of speculation, It said the investigators found no evidence that Comey provided classified information to the press. Comey noted that finding in a tweet after the report was released calling for an apology from those who defamed me. Now, dude, you're a scumbag, all right? Just shut up. You shouldn't say anything. Uh, DOG IG found no evidence that Comey or his attorneys released any of the classified information contained in any of the memos to members of the media. So what? He gave it to other people to give to the media. See, this is, this is like uh, a frog's hair as far as I... You know how they talk about how thin and how translucent a frog's hair is with the law? Well, that's the same way that this is with Comey. He gave it to a friend and asked his friend to give it to the Times. Please. He leaked the material. He broke the law. And he should have been punished for it. But what does uh, what does the Justice Department say? They have declined. They have declined to prosecute Comey. Declined it. All right. So this kind of stuff is just going to keep on happening. It's going to keep on happening. Rudy Giuliani Uh, was uh, on Fox News and was talking about this. I want you to listen to what he has to say. It's, It's very good stuff. Here's cut number four.
1: That man lied. Straight out lied. There's no way he didn't know that the Steele dossier was a big phony piece of junk. You read the first three pages if you're a professional... This is like a National Enquirer. He wanted it to be true, Rudy, and that's why he went and briefed right. the president on it. Spooked the president. Then, ultimately, then leak four it months out. Months later, when he knows it's not true, he goes and tells it to the president like it's real. That, that's pure J Edgar Hoover. That man, I got something on is you, Mr. Is there a Mr. crime president. here, or is it a well, the, the, well series of unethical h- acts? H- how about a simple one? The signature on the Pfizer affidavit is a crime. F- uh, what did? Uh, how is it a crime? It's a crime because it's a, it's a false statement under oath. He, he signed on a penalty to perjury. That means, that means something. Perjury, it's a five-year statute. How many people did Comey put in jail for a single perjury? Martha Stewart? She didn't even commit perjury. She made a false statement to the FBI. What about the leak of the documents? Martha Stewart had to go to jail. What about the Comey leak should of the... She go to jail three times more. The memo to the file um his own file he always goes in the sedan leaking? writes memos and then he gives it to his pal gets it to the new york times yeah, the leaking, leak, leaking could be more unethical than, than, illegal. Than, than illegal uh i think there was a conspiracy however to frame uh, trump i think this was a conspiracy to frame trump and i think it goes way the beyond. players COVID. were well i can't name them yet because they're not identified but this is a counterintelligence conspiracy that started with feeding information to Papadopoulos and having Fop- Papadopoulos re- regurgitated to Australian ambassador. It involved Ukraine. It involved Italy. It involved UK. It involved Australia, bare minimum. Who could do that but somebody in the CIA? Comey couldn't actually do that. Comey could know about it. Comey could be part of it. Comey could be a player in it. But there's somebody else who was a brainchild of this. Comey played his part as a liar to the court. And there's no confusion about a crime. There's nothing clearer than you are swearing under penalties of perjury. Name, James Comey, paragraph, such and such, total lie. Go to jail. Yeah,
2: I agree with him wholeheartedly on this. I forgot to even get into the part about the FISA court. That Comey took that to the FISA court and uh, knew that it was uh, BS and used it as a means to get the FISA court to allow them to go out and open up wiretaps and stuff and to, you know, uh, basically throw gas on the uh, uh, investigation. And, And he's right. That should have been time in jail, no doubt about it. He does that. He did that under oath of perjury. He perjured himself. He lied to the FISA court. And what did that do? How much do you trust now that the highest courts, the, the ones that are the secret courts that the government's got to go to, to get the, uh, the ability to go out and run wiretaps or, uh, heightened surveillance and things of that nature on people who are supposedly are trying to do something bad here in our country. Uh, You know, how do you feel about that? I mean, I worry now if it's that easy to get a judge to sign a warrant that they don't really pay as close attention as they should be. How many people um, are going to get caught up in that, that the government decides, yeah, you know, we need to get this person. I mean, think about it. J. Edgar Hoover Used the, if the FISA court had been around, could have used it that way and, and, and had all kinds of surveillance put out on Dr. Martin Luther King. I mean, they were all, already, FBI was already watching him. Could have been much worse than that. And when you talk about the CIA, there's only two names that come right to my mind, Clapper and Brennan. So one of them is playing fast and loose as well. People need to go to jail. I'm just telling you, people need to go to jail about this. And it's not going to happen. Let me read that that last statement from the DOJ, what they said. The DOJ made guy committed perjury and all kinds of stuff. As as, uh, Juliana uh, passed on, uh, you know, Comey, uh, because Martha Stewart lied to the FBI, she didn't. Perjure herself or anything, he still sent her to jail. Justice Department declined to prosecute Comey. Barr, you need to step up and say why. Just saying. He needs to say why. You have a 96% chance, my friend. That's right. A 96% chance of losing $111,000 in Social Security benefits. Let's just think about that for a second. What could you do with $111,000? According to new research by Bloomberg, 96% of Americans lose $111,000 in Social Security benefits because they take their benefits at the wrong time. You can learn how you can avoid this by going to an educational workshop called Maximizing Social Security with David Lucas. Happens here in Little Rock. You don't have to go out to, you know, up to the northwest part of the state. Don't have to travel to Chicago. You don't have to go anywhere. You can stay right here in Little Rock and take in this. There's going to be two workshops in September, uh, Tuesday the 24th, Thursday the 26th. Registration is just $20. Seats are selling fast. If you save $250,000, register now by calling 501-653-6690. The workshop's going to reveal the little-known strategies that could help you, yeah, you, wring every nickel out of your benefits that are rightfully yours. Again, that number, 501-653-6690. If you'd rather do it online, register online at davidlucasfinancial.com. All right, back with you. Got some more uh, information for you need to hear about. Uh, this is from uh, MSNBC, Lawrence O'Donnell, who, when he gets on uh, television, I always think that his head's going to explode. I mean, just erupt right on the screen, and there's going to be brain matter, matter all over the the TV cameras. Uh, he was on air last night. He, he was going to – he broke a story, started talking about a story – And special counsel Mueller's report revealed that he found no evidence of uh, the Trump campaign colluding with Russia, Uh, but there's still media figures like O'Donnell clinging to the conspiracy. And he was hit with a threat of a lawsuit yesterday after he reported on his show that an anonymous source told him uh, that uh, uh, some high, you know, ranking, filthy rich people in Russia. I'll tell you more when we come back. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. By the way, Zach, Ad Astra. That, that, that opens up on the 20th as well, or the 19th, depending on if you go to the Thursday night or Friday night opening. All right, so we were talking about Lawrence O'Donnell. So he was threatened with a lawsuit because he said that uh, these Russian uh, oligarchs had backed some of President Donald Trump's loans from uh, Deutsche Bank. And uh, so he went on the air and apologized. And here's what he had to say. Cut three.
5: Last night on this show, I discussed information that wasn't ready for reporting. I repeated statements a single source told me about the president's finances and loan documents with Deutsche Bank, saying if true, as I discussed the information, was simply not good enough. I did not go through the rigorous verification and standards process here at MSNBC before repeating what I heard from my source. Had it gone through that process, I would not have been permitted to to report it. I should not have said it on air or posted it on Twitter. I was wrong to do so. This afternoon, attorneys for the president sent us a letter asserting the story is false. They also (laughs) demanded a retraction. Tonight, we are retracting the story. We don't know whether the information is inaccurate. But the fact is, we do know. It wasn't ready for broadcast. And for that, I apologize.
2: Don't you love it? We don't know if that is, in fact, not true. However, we didn't check with enough sources, and so what we'll tell you is that we don't know. Dude, as a former reporter myself, if nobody else at all has had anybody step forward and say anything like this, it ain't true. All right? You just hate Trump so bad that you're like the little kid that finds out something that your brother did, and you're going to run to mommy and daddy and tell them that Johnny did something bad even though you don't know whether he really did it or not, because it was your friend that told you that Johnny did it. And then you may probably find out that you didn't do it. And Johnny comes home and says, I didn't do that. And then all of a sudden you go, "Ah, let me apologize. I'm so sorry because he hates the president so bad. That's exactly. Let's just go over. Let me run over some of the stories that uh, MSNBC and others have come out with. MSNBC apologized for tying Trump to these loans to Russia. CNN accused Don Jr. of a WikiLeaks collusion. ABC tanked stock market with fake Flynn news. Uh, they And uh, they ended up. Suspending a guy you don't see on ABC News anymore. Remember Brian Ross? Yeah, he's gone now. Uh, you found out from uh, found out that when CNN made this, the the statement that former Trump advisor uh, Scaramucci the Mooch uh, was under investigation for a meeting he took with a Russian banker prior to Trump's inauguration. Guess what? Not true. He wasn't under investigation. Uh, the Bloomberg's uh, dirty Deutsche Bank uh, scoop. Uh, Bloomberg initially reported in December that special counsel Robert Mueller had, quote, zeroed in on Trump by uh, putting out a subpoena to the Deutsche Bank records for the upcoming president and his family. Bloomberg, not the guy, the news agency, later admitted that Mueller was looking for records relating to people affiliated with Trump. Didn't find anything. Uh, Story, fake. Uh, Sessions was exonerated by CNN. Uh, They were sure that Attorney General Jeff Sessions had botched protocol when he didn't list meetings he had with the Russian ambassador on his security clearance forms. To CNN and other establishment media outlets, this was proof that Sessions was hiding something related to Russia. Then, six months later, and people by then, just remember what CNN had said, uh, comes out six months later that CNN quietly walked back the scandal. They explained the FBI sent emails informing Sessions' aide that he did not need to disclose the meetings on his forms because they were carried out in the course of his duties as a senator. False story. Russians aren't just hacking the election, they're hacking our power grid. Washington Post said that. False. Republicans funded the dossier. False. CNN gets Comey prediction wildly wrong. The 17 intel agencies lie. You remember that one? Let me run that one over with you. The media perpetuated a false claim from presidential candidate Hillary Clinton for months, insisting that all 17 intelligence agencies agree that Russia interfered in the 2016 election. The New York Times, for example, rated that claim as true, only to later say, false, Ah," wasn't true. Only four intelligence agencies ultimately deemed Russia responsible for meddling because the other 13 have no business making judgments on the claim. Is that simple? They're domestic agencies, as the New York Times Times explained. The rest were doing other work. <laughs> you got to laugh because if you really think about it, make you want to cry. Manafort notes are a nothing burger. This is where the nothing burger uh, came from. NBC botched its big scoop, claiming that Paul Manafort's notes from a meeting with a Russian lawyer included the word donations near a reference to the Republican National Committee. Turns out, not only did the word donations not appear in Manafort's notes, but the word donor didn't even appear. Either political had to correct the NBC report. Leaving the legacy network looking awfully embarrassed. Not as embarrassed as Brian Williams talking about watching dead bodies float down the streets in New Orleans during Katrina. NBC issues a Cohen correction. NBC issued a major correction May on a story about wiretaps and Michael Cohen. Did Cohen go to Prague? This is story 13. I got, this is a 13th story. I got six, 16 or so here. Hold on. 13. Uh, a report stated that special counsel Robert Mueller had evidence that Michael Cohen visited Prague in the summer of 16, which seemed to corroborate the proportion of the Steele dossier claiming Cohen visited Prague at that time to meet with a Kremlin official. However, you know what that means, right? It means that what you're going to hear now is going to refute what you just heard. No other outlets ever confirmed the report, and Cohen told Congress during an open hearing in February that he has never been to Prague. Never even been there. The bust at BuzzFeed. The special counsel's office disputed a 29 report by BuzzFeed claiming that Trump directed his lawyer to lie about a potential business deal in Moscow during the 2016 presidential campaign. The BuzzFeed report was... Floated around and used uh, to try to move forward on impeachment and proceedings and obstruction of justice charges against the president, but Mueller's team disputed the core premise of the reporting. BuzzFeed's description of a specific statement says special counsel's office and characterization of documents and testimony obtained by this office are not accurate. <clears throat> Number 15, Lanny Davis obliterates CNN's Trump Tower story. Number 16, NPR accused Don Jr. of perjury. NPR published a report in November insisting that Donald Trump Jr. lied to Congress about efforts to build a Trump Tower in Moscow because his statements conflicted with those of former Trump attorney Michael Cohen. However, NPR failed to realize that the peace Of Trump Jr.'s testimony, they quoted, was about a different project. All right. And last but not least, 17, Mike claims Russian spy infiltrated the Oval Office. Shortly after it was revealed that a Russian spy was attempting to infiltrate right-wing networks, Mike Ryder, Emily Singer claimed that same Russian spy was present during an Oval Office meeting with Russian diplomat Levrov. Singer claimed Russian spy Maria Putina was spotted in a photo of the meeting, citing the fact that she has red hair like the woman in the photo. Problem was, it was NSC staffer Carrie Lutkin's was not a spy at all wrong again there's 17 17 stories that the media's got wrong because they hate they they detest this president me on the other hand i love the guy final segment coming up now you're back final story for your day got to make it for you i just have to i have to bring this story up because sooner or later it's it's something like this is going to happen here in arkansas i'm just i'm warning you it's going to happen a biologically male runner in the ncaa's top division is competing in women's cross country this fall not competing with the guys which he is biologically, he is going to compete with the women. His name is June Eastwood, who identifies as a transgender woman, will represent the University of Montana at a cross-country meet Saturday. Now, first of all, let me say that the University of Montana should absolutely be ashamed that they're going to let this guy compete. It's ridiculous. Now, I know why they're doing it. Don't think it's because they're worried about this guy. They're worried about getting sued. That's the only thing that they're worried about. And so, what the hell if it screws everything up? They don't care. Uh, They just don't want to be screwed and uh, be sued, and it costs them thousands of dollars. Eastwood competed on the men's track and cross-country team's through May of 2018, the Bozeman Daily Chronicle reported, quote, I felt like I still had more years in me and that I would regret it later on if I didn't at least try to do what I am doing. Eastwood told the local paper describing the decision to compete on the women's team. Quote, our goal goal. OK, here's the university athletic director. Our goal is to be supportive of all student-athletes. I understand there will be varying opinions. Yeah, like you're a knucklehead, all right? That's my opinion, all right? You're a knucklehead. Uh, We have followed the NCAA bylaws and policies in place when it comes to inclusion of transgender student-athletes and participation in intercollegiate athletic competition. I've said from the very beginning... Okay, let's make this fair. If we're going to go into this whole transgender thing and say it's a legitimate thing, then you need to just let transgenders compete against transgenders, period. Not against guys or not against girls, but against each other. If you don't have enough, sorry, too bad. You're like one percent of the population. You know, that's just the way, you know, the cookie crumbles, so to speak. I'm not in a position to know if June will gain an unfair advantage. Oh, please. Please. There's so many scientific studies about this now. Just uh, recently, another one came out. Of course it is. Of course they, they have a legitimate advantage. It's not my area of expertise, and therefore we rely on the policies as set by the NCAA. Cowards. They're all cowards. Exactly what they are. The NCAA policy requires that male runners who identify as transgender women suppress their testosterone levels for a full calendar year before competing in women's athletics. How about losing the extra muscle mass? How about losing the extra skeletal infrastructure that males have over women? Can't change that, so, well, sorry. Uh, The NCAA published an explainer in 2011 calling it, quote, not well-founded. I am on a regular radio station, so I can't call this what it is. It is bovine excrement, okay? That is what that is, period. Male athletes who identify as transgender women have a, quote, their word, not mine, intolerable advantage over their female competitors even after suppressing their testosterone levels, That is a June paper published in the Journal of Medical Ethics. Intolerable advantage. All right. So uh, let's go back now and let's look at what Eastwood has done on the male side. Eastwood's personal best as a male runner will shatter records in the women's category, says running blog, let's run. Eastwood's switch to the women's team comes as male athletes have racked up victories in women's athletics. Franklin Pierce University runner C. C. Telfer, remember him? Not a girl, it's a him. A biological male who identifies as a transgender woman won an NCAA Division II Women's Track and Field Championship in May. Telfer competed on the men's team before switching to to the women's events, and by the way, didn't do so good on the guys' team. Telfer denied having an unfair advantage over female runners in a June interview with ESPN. "Quote: If anything, me competing uh, competing against cisgender females. All right, cisgender that means they're reg- they're real females. All right, they they give them a different name. It means that they're real f- females when they call them cisgender." Uh, is a disadvantage because my body is going through so many medical implications, like it's going through biochemistry changes, Telfer Toad ESPN. Two biologically male runners, both of whom identify as transgender girls, have dominated girls' high school track in Con- uh, Connecticut. One of their female competitors, Selena soul has spoken out against the male runners' advantages and. There is a lawsuit pending. Let me remind you what the Journal of Medical Ethics said. Male athletes who identify as transgender women have an, quote, intolerable advantage over their female competitors, even if you're suppressing their testosterone levels. There's more to this than just a hormone. That according to the June paper published in the Journal of Medical Ethics. Bottom line. It ain't fair. It ain't right. And it ain't science. Time for me to get out of here. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. On the Dave Ellsworth Show. Friday. I love Friday. It's Friday. Uh, That means Matt Smith will drop by. And we'll talk about movies uh, that uh, are out and about. We'll probably talk about other things, too. We always do. And then the Geek Squad's coming in. And somewhere in between, I do believe that the folks from over at Magic Springs are going to stop by. So with all that involved uh, coming up on the uh, the Dave Elser Show, you don't want to miss it. See you tomorrow, 2 o'clock. Be there. See you.